Well, good morning once again. Y'all can respond. Good morning. <laughs> um, where to begin? Well, I guess, do y'all, do y'all have that friend? You know what I'm talking about? The friend, um, it might be a child, but it's really dramatic. And it's everything is just like over the top. And like, oh my gosh, did you hear? Oh my goodness. Thomas. Thomas is that friend. And um, we see it all over John's gospel, um, what Thomas does. So let's, let's consider these different things. Um, earlier in John's gospel, Jesus is going to raise Lazarus. Or Lazarus has died. We, we know Jesus will eventually raise him from the dead. Um, but the disciples don't know that. And they're really worried about the Jews, and they know the Jews are ready to kill Jesus, and um, Jesus is going, and, and he invites his disciples, and Thomas is like, ah, oh, well, let's go with him so we can die too. Or later on, um, Jesus, oh, this is actually earlier than that, Jesus says, you know, it's a very profound moment. He's like, you know, I am the way and the truth and the life. One of these famous statements of Scripture, and he says, um, I'm going, I'm, I'm, I have to return to the Father, you can't come, but I'm going to come back and get you. And Thomas says, well, Jesus, we don't know where you're going, how are we going to get there? And Jesus, well, Thomas, I'm coming back for you. And, and so very dramatic, and um, you could almost imagine maybe his Facebook post, you know, if they were going to... <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. That people put things on Facebook and it's very cryptic. You don't know what they're saying. And, and so they're going to see Lazarus and Thomas gets on Facebook and says, well, I'm going to die. And all his friends are like, what? what? What's going on? And so Thomas is that guy. But we don't want to be too hard on Thomas. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's just remember that. Because the, the other thing, is opposite, the opposite is true, is, is he, sometimes he's down here and he's He's negative and, and really dramatic, and then he sees Jesus, and he is over the top. And how else should we respond to Jesus except to be over the top? I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit. Let's, um, let's look at John's gospel, and we're going to start at the end. And if we have it on the screen, that would be great. If you have your Bibles or um, maybe you have your Bible on your phone or something, you can pull that up. And we're in John's gospel. We're the very... Well, towards the end in chapter 20. And Carrie, do we have verse um, 30? Yeah. Um, there you go. So Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so what we, we need to know about this book is, he def, John says it right here. Why is he writing this book? Why are we hearing these stories of Jesus? Why do we hear about the disciples? Why do we hear some things in John's gospel and not in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, or vice versa? And he just, he says it. It's very helpful. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that you may have life in his name. And so we have a, two, a, a two-fold task this morning. Really, it's, it's every morning um, when, when I'm preaching, this is what I'm trying to do. Most of you believe in Jesus, and that is great. That is, I am so happy, and I'm thrilled about that. 
And so I hope that the, the, the Word of God will encourage you and will equip you and will challenge you that you might know the fullness of this life that John is talking about. That you may know the fullness of the life in the name of Jesus. And, and there's some others of you here, I hope, I, I really do hope this, that, that maybe you don't believe or maybe you're doubting and, and you're just here checking it out. And that, that is really exciting to me. And so... My charge this morning and the charge of this book of Scripture is that um, you might have an opportunity to at least see what we're about and see what we believe, and maybe you would have the opportunity to believe at some point as well. So, so that's what we're doing this morning, um, you know, all my, my sermon-telling secrets. So, so let's get going. There's, there's three things we see. There's two stories today, and we see three things. One, we see a high calling. God has put a high calling on His disciples. The second thing we see is these... Disciples with a high calling have a very human response. A very human response. And the third thing we see is Jesus gives us a heavenly anticipation. A high calling, a human response, and a heavenly anticipation. So, so what's happening? Jesus was raised for the dead, raised from the dead on that very first Easter Sunday. Um, Mary goes to the tomb and is empty, and she runs back, and she gets Peter and John, and they all come back to the tomb, and Peter and John see the tomb, and they see that it's empty, and they go back home. And Mary sticks around, and she meets a gardener, and the gardener calls her by his, her name, Mary. And she knows at that moment that it is Jesus. She knows at that moment that her Lord is risen, and so she runs back to the disciples, and she says, I have seen the Lord. And that's where we were left off last week. If, if, well, we didn't read John's gospel, but if we had, that's where we would have been left off. And so we come here today and we see, well, what are the disciples doing? How do they respond to that? Well, um, they closed the door and locked it. They closed the door and locked it. This is the, this is the evening of this very same day. And, and, and they just they didn't know what to do. And so they're locked up in this room. They're obviously very disturbed. This would have been the end of the Passover. There would have been great celebrating and cheering in the streets. Thank a holy Mardi Gras, if you will. And they, they're not partying. They're not there. They're, they're locked up in their room. And they're sitting there. And who knows what they were doing. But can you imagine sitting there and you look up and there's Jesus. The door's locked. He didn't open it, but he's there. And he says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And so then we see that Jesus puts a high calling on these disciples. So Jesus said to them, peace be with you. And then he says this, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold the sins of any, it is withheld. And so, Jesus puts this high calling on his disciples. Three things. Um, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Now, this, this might sound slightly familiar because right over here, back here, we have the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And this is John's form of the Great Commission. It's more theological and more heady. As the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. So how are we going to reconcile this? Well, first of all, who, who are we not? We're not Jesus. You're not Jesus, and you're not Jesus, and y'all over there are closer, but you're not Jesus either. We're not Jesus. We can't save people. We can't die for their salvation. We can't even make people believe. We can tell our stories, but we can't make them believe it. We're not Jesus. But we are sent out just as Jesus was sent out. Just as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Well, how did the Father send Jesus? Well, in Jesus, we have God. In Jesus, we have God, the, the fully divine Son of God. And so, so when Jesus confronted the world, when Jesus was in the world and loved the world and challenged the world, when he did these things, the world was meeting God himself. So that's one way the Father sent Jesus. By, by being God, the world met God. The second thing, Jesus acted in the power of the Holy Spirit. We see in, in all the Gospels, we see where Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And when he was baptized, the Holy, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. Like a dove, Jesus acted in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the, the third thing was that Jesus acted in full obedience to the Father. He was fully obedient to the Father. So he was God, he acted in the power of the Holy Spirit, and he was fully obedient to the Father. And he is saying, as the Father has sent me, I am now sending you. Are we up for that, friends? Here's the deal. In the church, and when, when I say church, I don't mean this building or that building, I mean you, the body of Christ. In the church, when the body of Christ confronts this world, they are confront, the, the world is confronted with God himself. With God himself. Jesus is the head. We are his body. We are his arms and his legs and his mouth. And when we go out into that world, we are bringing the message of Jesus Christ, we are bringing Jesus Christ himself. Number two, we act through the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at these next lines. Um, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. I'm guessing he brushed his teeth. That was a joke. <laughs> he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. He, he, this, this physical action of receiving the Holy Spirit. And, and, and we have received the Holy Spirit. This, this so parallels Jesus' baptism when he's baptized and the Holy Spirit comes upon him and we're baptized and confirmed and receive communion and the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we're sent out into this world to do number three, to obey God perfectly and that's where it all falls down. That third point, that Jesus could obey, could obey God perfectly and we can't. Not yet. Some of us are doing better than others but, but we're, not, we're not there yet. We'll come back to this one in a second because there's a solution. 
The other component of this um, has to do with, with community, if you will. Um, verse 23, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, this is what this does not mean. It does not mean that, that we have the power to grant people forgiveness. Um, when, I, you know, when, when Mike or John or I come up here and to do the absolution, after we confess sins, we, you know, I pronounce to you that you are forgiven of your sins. But I'm not doing that. Those aren't my words. Those are God's words. Those are Jesus' words. Jesus forgives sin, and he gives a mouthpiece to it because it's so helpful to hear that. Your sins are forgiven. What a glorious thing to hear. Your sins are forgiven. And, and so we say that, but, but what this, this text doesn't mean, even though it says it, I'm going to tell you it means something different. It doesn't mean that, that you can decide with somebody, that, that we as a church even could look at somebody and say, oh, I'm not sure if you're really repentant or not. Um, that's not our job. But it is, it is about community. And, and here's what I mean by that. We want this to be a place where people are welcome where you can come in here and just be who you are. And who you are, it, it could be a bunch of different things, but, but I guarantee with every single person in this room, it includes something messy. It includes something you're not proud of. And we want you to be able to bring that in here and not be judged for it. And not to be looked at and say, wow, they're, they're a little different. I know they've got a lot of problems because that is unforgiveness. That's what he means. That's unforgiveness. If you, if you can look at somebody and think, well, I'm not sure they should be in church. Or I can't believe they wore that. If you do that, you're, you're judging. You're judging them. And you're acting, you're acting in a very unforgiving way. And so what this text is saying is, is welcome people. Forgive them. Look at somebody and say, hey, you're, we're sinners together. We're in this together. That whole obedience thing that we're called to do, we're in this together, not doing it. That, 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 that's part of being the church. That's part of the great commission. Folks aren't going to want to hear about Jesus if they're, if they're being judged. And so forgive sins. And this goes all the way to your house. Forgive your children. Forgive your wife. Don't, don't hold grudges. Don't make them earn something from you. Forgive them. And so we have um, this, this high calling to, to go out into the world, just like Jesus did. This is, this is always amazing to me to think that um, God came down from earth to be with us and among us. Um, what a great, I mean, how else was he going to do it, really? Because he'd been putting up signs for years saying, come back to me, and nobody was coming back. And so he came to us. And so, so we as a church, we can put up signs all over this campus and say, hey, come check us out. But they're not going to come if we don't go to them. And so we're sent, we're sent into the world just like Jesus was sent into the world. This high calling to represent God through the power of the Holy Spirit through obedience to what God has called us to do and to invite people into a community of forgiveness. But the, um, the second two are much shorter. The second point, we see a human response. And there's actually two human responses. We looked at Thomas. Um, and so, I don't even know where I am. Let's see, okay. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. 
But Thomas said to them, Unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of his nails, and unless I place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Little Thomas Facebook post, I will not believe. Um, and, and so we've picked on Thomas enough, but look at this verse. Eight days later, the disciples were inside again. Eight days later, eight days later, what were they doing? They were still inside the locked room. They had seen Jesus. They had received the Holy Spirit. But they're still locked inside a room. Eight days later. And so that is the human, um, the human response. And, and if it says anything, one thing for sure that it says is that um, faith in Jesus and, and living in the power of His Holy Spirit It's a process. If you gave your life to Jesus today, um, tomorrow you actually might not feel that much different. It's a process. It's going to take time. Eight days later, you might not feel that much difference. Um, But two weeks later, you might start to notice. A month later, a year later, it's a process. But, But here's the point, is that we all fall short. This process isn't complete until we reach glory, until we are face-to-face with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we can be obedient. Then we can love Him and serve Him fully. And until then, we're just growing. And one of the ways we grow is to realize how bad we actually are. How bad we actually are. And I'm telling you, as bad as I know I am right now, I'm actually worse. But I'm growing. We're growing. We're growing closer to the Lord. And, and here's how Jesus responds to that attitude. Here's how he responds to disciples locked in a room, even though he's given them the Holy Spirit. Here's how he responds. He comes back. That's how he responds to Thomas. He finds Thomas. Look, here I am. He's so full of grace and love and mercy and do you, do you see what God has done for us? Do you see what Jesus Christ has done for us? Look at this. Okay, this is over half of your Bible. You see that? This half of your Bible is all about people not listening to God. This Old Testament here. And there's plenty of that in the New Testament too, but, but this, this Old Testament is, is full of disobedience. And what does God do? He comes back. He comes back. He walks on this earth perfectly obedient to God, perfectly obedient to the Spirit, deserving of of nothing, not even death, and yet he takes it. And he gets the marks in his hands and the hole in his side. He gets them on the cross so that you and me, who are perfectly disobedient, can receive the power of God, be welcomed into his life, receive life eternal, and not just life eternal, but receive it right now, today. That's the gospel, friends, is that that God came back. That God came back. And how does our friend Thomas respond? My Lord and my God. Is there any 
other response. He says, my Lord and my God, he, he's giving his life. He's saying, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. You are Lord of who I am. I am so wrong. Tell me what to do. Tell me where to go. Tell me who to serve. Um, the the tr- history of the church, the tradition of the church tells us that Thomas um, brought the gospel to India. Brought the gospel all the way to India. And that was well outside of the known world at that time. So that's our human response. Heavenly anticipation, uh, finally. Verse 29. Jesus said to Thomas, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Do we know what happens next? The disciples go fishing, um, and Jesus meets them again. And do you know what happens next? Jesus is ascended. And do you know what happens next? The Holy Spirit comes upon these timid, scared, locked-in-a-room people. He, he lights a fire on their heart, and they proclaim the gospel. And in less than 300 years, and this is amazing. It sounds like a long time, but I'm telling you this is amazing. The whole known world hears the gospel. The whole known world hears the gospel, and these disciples are killed for their faith. They're, they're tortured for their faith. They're put in isolation um, just, just by themselves to fend for themselves on remote islands because they believe in Jesus. And, and yet, in the power of the Holy Spirit, the gospel is spread. A heavenly anticipation, an anticipation of, of what would come and what is coming now and what's to come in the future. So, a couple of take-homes for you. I hope and I pray that this would be a place where people could come to ask questions. Not really questions, because I might not know the answers, but to, to, to listen and to, to just say, what is this about? So maybe you're here this morning with doubts. Maybe you've believed in Jesus for a while, but you're having doubts about that. Maybe you're, maybe you're feeling a bit like Thomas, and you're not so sure, unless I... Gosh, unless I could see him, unless I could experience him, I don't know if I can believe. And that's okay. That's okay. We want you here. This is the place. And and I pray that that somehow that something here has touched you or will touch you in our worship, maybe that, that you will experience the crucified and risen Lord. That's my hope. And and really, if you have questions, I'd love to talk with you afterwards. And there's other of you here who um you know, you've been coasting for a while, and that's okay. That happens sometimes. But I want you to know the power of the Holy Spirit that God has placed on your life. The power of the Holy Spirit. That no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how awful you think you are, no matter how, un- how unequipped you think you are, that you would receive that power. You would receive the Holy Spirit. That, that you would go out these doors proclaiming Christ. I have seen the Lord, my Lord and my God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you've given us, um, wow, such a high calling on our lives. I pray that we would be sent out from here just like you sent Jesus. 
And Lord, we know that we will respond to you. Um, We'll have that human response that we will fall short. And we thank you, Lord, that you came back and you come back again and again and again. And we receive your grace and we receive your forgiveness. And I pray, Lord, that we would look to the gold, this heavenly future you have, um, where one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ask this all through your Son, our Savior, and in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.